You ever um, been trying to get something done and, and not been able to make any headway with the, the people you're working with to try to get something done? Anybody ever have that happen? The other day I was trying to, to get something shifted and changed and it just didn't seem to be happening. And yeah, you ever ask this question when you're dealing with somebody on the phone or in a business? Can, can I talk within who's in charge here? <laughs> Anybody else ever did that? You know, I, I did it not in an ugly, not in a negative way, but, but every, you know, so, sometimes you just really need to talk with somebody that has just a little bit of authority in their circumstance. Can I get an amen to that, right? Uh, who's in charge here? And, and that's a question oftentimes we'll ask. We'll ask, is, is there a manager here? Or is there somebody else I can talk to that, that maybe has a little bit of authority to, to help me? Who's in charge here? I think that's a good self-assessment question too. As, you know, it's, it's the, uh, I guess, the fourth Sunday of, of the new year. And as we're working through this uh, Game of Thrones series, the, the question of who's in charge is a pretty good self-assessment question. As we consider our own lives, who's in charge in our life? Who is Lord in our life? Uh, I've been kind of um, convicted a little bit lately. Uh, As I've been working through this series and as I've been working through the Beatitudes, uh, you know, the Beatitudes begins, Jesus blessed, and, 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 and really the Beatitudes flow from this temptation and, and, and flow from the whole ideal of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven coming. Jesus is talking about this blessed kingdom. And some translations will translate that happy instead of blessed. And, 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 and my uh, theological pride, if you will, I'm like, oh, it can't be happy as a surface emotion and and it's deeper than happiness and and it is deeper than the surface but but Jesus is calling us to this kingdom where happiness is not a bad thing folks <laughs> that that to, to belong to Jesus to belong to this kingdom brings happiness and joy and satisfaction. And as I begin to think about that, how I push back from that, all of you are pursuing happiness in your life, right? We pursue happiness in our life. And yet sometimes we come to the church and we say, yeah, it's all right to pursue happiness, but just not here, right? Can I, can I tell you this morning that Jesus is calling us to a kingdom of happiness and joy and peace and significance and purpose. He's not calling us to something less. And when we answer this question of lordship and who's in charge and and we say God is in charge, it's not saying I'm going to take less of life, but I'm really going to experience life. And so we began working through this series and what we talked about temptation and temptation is the urge to remove God from the throne of my life. And we looked at the story of Adam and Eve and in the story of Adam and Eve when they fell, it wasn't about fruit. It wasn't about a particular fruit. It was about not making God Lord and not being obedient to Him. It's the root of all sin and all of us are tempted. If Jesus is tempted, then we are tempted. Now, now we missed last week, and if, if, you, if you don't have access online, we went ahead and did the sermon 
Um, I did the sermon online at my kitchen table at 6 a.m., and so there's an abbreviated sermon, and we're going to move past that week, but just uh, very briefly, Matthew 4, 1 through 4, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on the every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so last week we talked about online, if you didn't hear, and and it's available if you want to hear it, Jesus made God the Lord of his daily provision. That, that, that he wasn't going to trust himself, but he was going to trust God for his daily needs. That, that God was big enough. Do you believe that? Amen. God is big enough to care for our daily needs. And, and so Jesus encourages us to pray, give us this day our daily bread with this whole ideal that, that to, to live in the peace of this kingdom, the happiness of this kingdom. It doesn't become about our own self-sufficiency but it becomes this daily dependence on God, even for the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat. God gives us enough for our daily needs. And so we've been talking about the temptations when you're tempted. And I've asked you to think about it in a different way. When you are tempted, it is an opportunity to worship. Because obedience is worshiping God. And, and so when we consider these temptations and we consider the temptation to not be satisfied, to not feel like our daily needs are met, and all of us face that, right? Anybody in this room ever been discontent? You know, probably when you walked in and it wasn't warm enough in the foyer or it was too hot in the foyer. Or, uh, who's too hot in here? Raise your hand. Nobody? (laughs) Who's too cold? Okay, we have a few. I see those mittens. (laughs) I did see a mitten, but I didn't. didn't We have a tendency to be discontent, and and, and sometimes our discontent, we're, 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 we're desperately struggling for the right decision to make us content. And oftentimes it just spirals and spirals. And I don't think necessarily in your life, if you're discontent, not that we're, we don't work hard, but I don't think the answer in some of our lives is, to, is doing more or working harder. But I think thanksgiving is the worship response to this temptation of being discontent. And thanksgiving is not just an attitude. Thanksgiving is an act where we stop and we give God thanks. For the blessings in our life. I think most of us, when we do that, we'd realize we have more reasons to be pleased with God than discontent with God. And so we talked about that last week, and, and this week we're going to move on through verses 5 through 7 in the, in the, in the um, uh, second temptation. Uh, anybody, who likes to listen to sports radio? Anybody like this sport? I like listening to sports radio. Uh, you, you know, I like listening to Columbus Sports Radio. Let me tell you, it is bipolar, uh, the sports radio. If the Buckeyes win, they are as high as a kite. If they lose, you would think the world was ending, right? You know, it's like that in Cincinnati, too. If the Reds would lose, and most often they did. If the Bengals would lose, man, they, it was like the sky was falling. I, I did hear that uh, Marvin Lewis has suggested that the Bengals hire Hugh Jackson to be their new head coach. 
Uh, I'll be a little bit negative here. I don't think that would be a good hire. Uh, anybody remember the story? Bear Bryant, they used to say about Bear Bryant that he could take hisens and beat Yorns, and then he could take Yorns and beat hisens. Hugh Jackson is kind of the opposite of that. He can take hisens and lose to Yorns, and then take Yorns and lose to hisens. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, how'd I get off on that tangent? You know, I like sports radio. I, li I like to listen to it. And, and, and oftentimes we live kind of these bipolar lives where we're constantly insecure. We're up and then we're down, depending on the news cycle. Do you realize bad news sells more than good news, right? So if bad news sells, if negative sells more than good news, that means the news media, in order to sell more, is driven more by negative news than good news. And oftentimes, we let that set how we perceive life and, and we become bipolar or insecure in life and, and oftentimes we become bipolar or have this insecure faith and it's based on our circumstances and, and oftentimes we believe God is only as faithful as I perceive my circumstances that's a dangerous place to live, folks. To, to live at this point where, where, where God is somehow only as faithful, not only of my, as my circumstances are, but how I perceive my circumstances. Matthew 4, 5 through 7. Then the devil took Jesus into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written you shall not put the Lord your God to test. What's the temptation here? What's the tempter trying to get Jesus to do. He said, I, I want you to prove who you are. I, if you're really Messiah, if you're really the Son of God, then it's pretty easy. Do this little trick for me. God will protect you, and, and I will know that you are the one. Can I suggest that maybe it goes even deeper? It goes to the point of God's care. Can you prove to me that God really cares about you? If you jump, does he care enough to protect you? And once again, Jesus responds with Scripture. And, 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 and as I think about Jesus responding with Scripture, it's an easy point, and it's something that I hope we're taking from this series of nothing else. If Jesus responds with Scripture, if Jesus has a deep enough awareness of Scripture to respond to temptation in that way, shouldn't we? Uh, folks, I, over the last, and it's, and it's not that I didn't value Scripture before, 
But over the last 18 months, I tell you, Scripture has come alive. And can I tell you that Scripture, daily time in the Scripture, significant time in the Scripture matters. God speaks through His Word, and it helps. And if we're not rooted in God's Word, when the tempter comes, uh, not going to have very many arrows to pull from the quiver. Uh, to protect ourselves from the enemy's attack. So get in the Word. We, we had some Bible reading plans out there. Be, be diligent. Be, be in the Word on a daily basis. Deuteron- Jesus responds with Deuteronomy 6.16, You shall not put the Lord your God to test as they tested Him at Massa. Now, in, in this story, you can, we're not going to read it all, but it's in Exodus 17, and, and they've journeyed. Uh, God, God has... They've been slaves in Egypt. God has delivered them from slavery. In fact, in the deliverance from slavery, they have taken from the Egyptians. The Egyptians have plundered themselves and given all these goods and assets to the people of Israel. And they've left as free people from Egypt. God has delivered them with tremendous miracles. After a short time, the Egyptians begin to chase them down. And and they find themselves against the Red Sea. And God parts the Red Sea. And the people of Israel walk through on dry ground. God keeps the Egyptians from chasing them. And then God releases the Egyptians into the Red Sea and closes the waters over them. And God's appearing in the day as a, a cloud and at night as, a, as, as fire, pretty significantly leading the people of Israel. And they get in the desert and they can't find water and they begin to grumble. Now I know no one in here has ever grumbled, right? Boy, if God struck us all dead for grumbling, there would not be a single person in here alive. They begin to grumble and complain. Moses cries out, what shall I do with these people? (laughs) A little bit more and they're going to stone me. Think about that. I've let them out of slavery. I have this cool rod that becomes a snake and they're still going to stone me. And God has him strike a rock and water comes out of it. And he provides for them. And in Deuteronomy 6, Moses is saying, don't put God to the test by making him prove himself over and over and over again. See, God is not simply Lord based on his latest miracle. I can remember there was a lady I ministered to in, in my previous church and, and, and she would and it was a sad statement and I gotta tell you I, I, didn't, I didn't even know how to respond to it uh, you know now I'd probably respond a little bit different but she'd say it had been such and such years since she had heard from God and even now I, I think she's, she's passed on now it, it was such a sad thing and as I think about that oftentimes we say things like that and I think it's 
a misunderstanding of how God speaks. See, see, God speaks through His Word. Anybody, if you, if you have access to a Bible today, raise your hand. Seriously, if you have access to a Bible, God has spoken to everyone in this room through His Word. You know, I, I think sometimes we, we judge God by these supernatural emotional moments and I appreciate those supernatural emotional moments. God's given them all to us where, where we just sense Him so close. You know, I can look back in my past and, 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 and I can recall times where in a worship service or a time of prayer, God spoke so clearly. But not every day. That, that wasn't the norm. See, see, God speaks through His Word God speaks through His church. God speaks through your Sunday school classes and your small groups. God speaks through nature. God speaks. And He's talking all the time. And the temptation here is to determine lordship by my current circumstances. That, 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 that somehow it, it, it's based on what's going on in my life and, and, and how I perceive this. You know, this is a real threat. Be, be, because if lordship is determined by current circumstances and how we perceive current circumstances, then we begin to believe what I believe maybe one of the most significant lies Satan can tell us, that God doesn't care. <laughs> that, that, that God doesn't act. That God won't act. And, and that somehow we have been left here on our own to make it on our own. Jesus had a real awareness that God was not God based on the latest miracle in his life. But God was the same, and God was God no matter what was going on in his life. So how do we respond? What, what is the worship response when our circumstances, in our circumstances, where we're waiting for God to do something more. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I know... No one in this room has ever worried. Um, you know, I know that's only a temptation that I have, <laughs> that, that you never wake up in the middle of the night and begin to worry, right? So I, sh I shouldn't even have to preach this. You, you guys are so secure in your faith. It's not true, is it? If there is a temptation that is universal, if there is a temptation that's, that's probably touched everybody in this congregation this week, it's worry, right? 
It's, it's, is God really going to come through? You know, particularly with, with, with your kids and those you love. I see Spencer back there. He drove on the snow today. I worried about Spencer driving on the snow, right? You, you worry about your kids. You worry about those you love. You know, worry's not, when we worry, we, we, we don't, it's not bad thoughts, but it begins to erode our faith in God, our belief that God is the God of our circumstances and that somehow God cares for us and God wants our best, not our worst, and, and, and we can rest in that. Can I read Philippians 4, 6-7 from the message? Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What's the, what's the worship response to this temptation? How are we obedient in the midst of circumstances that may not be pleasing? What, what is our worship response to this temptation? Telling God our needs is an act of worship. You ever think about that? When we list our needs, when we make our petitions known to God, what are we saying? We are saying, God, you're real. We believe that you're real. When we say, God, you hear. So it matters when I'm giving these petitions to you and God, you respond. What we are saying in giving God our needs, that you are a God who hears and answers prayers, even the prayers of someone who may not be real significant in the world. <laughs> That's a pretty significant worship response. Psalm 18, 1 through 3 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my rock, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. <laughs> Amy talked about this morning. Is the praise, praise team here? They're here somewhere? They're going to close with good, good father. Go get them, Samuel. Run like the wind. <laughs> I, I like Amy talked about this morning. She said, allowing space for God. And, and I like that phrase. The, the, the more I thought about that phrase, you know, oftentimes we allow our lives to become so crowded. Uh, oftentimes our lives are crowded with worry that we don't give God space to speak into those circumstances. And so it's important oftentimes just to stop. That's why when we, when we do our services, there, there's a lot of things that were peripheral that we kind of eliminated. You know, not that they were bad things, but they kept us from the most important thing. And the most important thing you can do today is encounter God. And so we believe in altars. We, 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 I, I, have, I have been helped at an altar. I've never walked down to an altar and said, man, what a mistake this was. God's met me. 
but you don't have to come to an altar. You can pray in your seat. So Samuel, go ahead and bring the lights down. We're going to give you some space. Amy's going to sing Good, Good Father. And um, I'm going to, you know, you guys can stay seated. You can sing. But what I ask you to do is to think about your circumstances. Is there something you're worrying about? Is there something that is eroding your confidence in God? His Lordship? Is He in charge? And I just invite you to, to spend some time praying. And, and then in a few moments, Josh is going to come and close us in prayer.